our series in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So let's take our Bibles there tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12. We've been looking through this passage about how to set an example, how to be an example of the believers. And tonight we come uh, to our third word, charity. We, let's look in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And it reads, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you uh, for all the teens who have been involved in this service. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, those who have been willing to uh, step inside their comfort zone and, and take, a, take a lead in, in some of the areas of our service, Lord. I pray that you would bless them for that. And Lord, I pray you help me as I preach tonight. I pray that you would uh, just guide my uh, thoughts, guide my mouth. And I pray that you would work in the hearts of those who are listening, that uh, you would uh, fill them with your spirit, that they might receive your word. And Lord, I also pray for myself that you would just guide me, uh, that your spirit would guide me as I, I share your truths, Lord. Uh, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at uh, John chapter 13 as well. Uh, just kind of looking at our theme uh, for tonight is in charity. And that word charity uh, means love. It's a, another uh, word that the Bible translates uh, the word for as love. Uh, but in, uh, for charity, let's look at first P, uh, John chapter 13, and we'll begin at verse 18. I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When, the, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one to another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him, that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him, for some of them thought, because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him by those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Therefore, when it, he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, 
that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I'm looking at this passage tonight, uh, focusing on that last verse. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, uh, if ye have one uh, if you love, have love one to another. Uh, but I thought it interesting to read the, the rest of the passage uh, preceding it. Uh, as I, I thought about it, it, the disciples, when G- uh, Jesus said that one of them would betray them, and the disciples all looked around and said, I don't know who it could be. They looked around, they saw Judas, they saw everyone else, and they had no clue. Now, this is this is my own pondering, this is my... Uh, thinking and what could what for what reason could that have happened? Either it's one of two things. I think it could be either uh, Judas was able to fake it so well that he looked and, and talked and walked just like uh, the disciples, or perhaps on the other side of that, the disciples uh, were not loving each other as they ought, and perhaps because of that, and they were so confused, like who could it be? Uh, Perhaps that is why Jesus gave them this command to love one another, that they would be signified, uh, that people would know that they are disciples uh, because they love each other. They love each other in such a way uh, that the world is not able to duplicate. And so this new commandment that Jesus gives to the disciples to love one another uh, is this uh, signifier, characteristic of a, a disciple that separates them and lets others know uh, that they are a disciple. And this, this sign, it wasn't, it wasn't faith. Uh, if you see someone of faith, oh, they're a disciple. If you see someone that's very religious, they must be a disciple. Jesus didn't say that if they were baptized, they, they would be a disciple, that, that people would know that they are a disciple. They didn't, uh, the, he didn't say that if they took the Lord's Supper, people would know that they're a disciple. He said the key thing that people will know that you're a true disciple is that you have love one to another. So is our love for the brethren, is our love for the brethren greater than the love that the world has for its own? Uh, when we see our brothers and sisters uh, trying to do the will of God, are we supporting them? Are we helping them? Or are we tearing them down, uh, whether it be with our words or with our actions? So how uh, would our love uh, for, brethren be de- for our brethren be demonstrated? And tonight I want to look at that. Um, before we begin, uh, I need to define the word that's being used here. The Bible is wonderful in its, its depth because the original languages that uh, were used to, to write the Bible have so much uh, specificness in them. In English, we lack a lot of that specificness. And we use the word love for so many different things. I love pizza and I love my wife. But those aren't the same thing. That's not the same kind of love. If I had the same kind of love for my wife as I have for pizza, that'd be not the right kind of love. And the word that's used here in, in John chapter 13 is agape love. It's, it's a, a type of love uh, that's used in John uh, chapter 15 where we see greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. This kind of love is sacrificial love. This kind of love is God-like love. This is the love that we are commanded to show. When Jesus says that we have love one to another, he's asking us to show God-like love, sacrificial love one to another. And so 
We are to be examples of the believers in charity or agape love. The proof of our relationship with Christ, the thing that people look at and say they must be a believer, is that they, you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And to clear up, there's a misconception in our world today that love is a feeling. This agape love is, is an action. This, this love is demonstrated through action. Uh, we love someone and we show that love through action. It's that same uh, love through action that it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave he, there was an action behind that love. And so... Are we guilty, I'm looking tonight, are we guilty of tearing each other down? Or are we uh, trying to edify each other, trying to show our love to each other, encourage each other in the work of the Lord, and encourage each other uh, to follow the Lord? Do others know that we are a disciple because of our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Or are, like, like maybe Judas and the disciples, are we being passive in our love for one another? And so how ought we to demonstrate our discipleship to Christ through our love for the brethren? And tonight, uh, I want to look at our main passage for tonight is Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we'll look through a few verses in there. And I, I found this passage, it gives us, Directions for believers uh, to show how to show their love and how not to show their love. And we see in uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9, let love be without dissimulation. Our, the first kind of love uh, that I believe we believers should show is genuine love. Number one, genuine love let love be without dissimulation. Dissimulation is uh, another word for hypocrisy or let love be true. Let, let it be genuine. Let it be real. Our love for each other shouldn't be with pretense. It shouldn't be uh, with uh, falsity. We put in, putting up a facade saying that we love each other but not acting upon it, not making any action toward uh, that, uh, that what we say. And so because love is not a feeling or just a phrase that we express to others, and love is an action, uh, just as God so loved the world that he gave, our love for others should be demonstrated through action. Uh, it means nothing at all to my wife if I say that I love her. It means nothing to her if I love her, but I don't do uh, what she asked me to do, if I don't do the things that she needs for me to do, uh, if I don't act upon my love for her, that's kind of worthless. And so our love, if we say that we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, our love ought to have some action to support that. The Bible says in John uh, chapter 14 and verse 15, uh, John chapter 14 and verse 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And then we see... Uh, in the next part of that, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, we see, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. You see, if we truly love someone, if we truly uh, care for them, we're going to speak up when they're doing something wrong, when they're sinning. Uh, if we truly love someone, when we see them going off in a path that we know that's not going to be helpful for them, 
it'd be very unloving for us to not say anything, just be step back and say, well, you, you have at it. You, you do whatever you want. It's not very loving for us to uh, let that happen. So when the Bible says, abhor that which is evil, uh, it's speak up. Say something when you see your brother or sister in Christ wandering off the path that God has for them. Say something. and Come alongside them and encourage them. And then we see that phrase, cleave to that which is good. And if we truly, uh, if we love someone, uh, then we'll support them when they, are, when they are doing what's good, when they are doing what's right. And so secondly, we see, uh, we saw genuine love, but then we see brotherly love or familial love. Uh, familial love, love like a family. We see in uh, verse number 10 of Romans 12, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 3, uh, we read in, in 1 John 5, 1 through uh, 3, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. See, our love for God is displayed in our love for the brethren. If we don't first have a love for God, then our love for the brethren will be reflected in that. We'll have a very weak love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll have a weak agape love, uh, God-like love, if we do not love God first. And because we are family, uh, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we are the children of God if we have trusted Christ as our Savior. Because we are family, God has, some, God has done something amazing for us. Uh, God has made us his children. He has given us an inheritance. Uh, we share a, a common bond. I could go uh, to Ethiopia tonight, and I could find a believer in Christ there, and I would have more in common with that man of a different skin color, that man of a different culture, that man of a different country, I would have more in common with that man than I would if I went to uh, the country of my grandfather in the Netherlands, if I went there. Because we have this common bond in, this, in the family of God. I, I can, it's just amazing that no matter where I go, uh, like a, just over a year ago, I moved from Ontario to Edmonton. And that's, that's a very uh, big decision to make to have to move across country. And I came to Edmonton, and I, the only people I knew was pastor. I knew a few people at church here that I had met for a few days. And uh, to make that decision to move out here, if I wasn't saved, if I wasn't a Christian, that's a difficult decision to leave your entire uh, family, to leave who you know, to leave the place that you know, and to move to a, a place where you don't know anyone. Uh, as a lost person, that's a difficult thing to do. You'd be all alone. Uh, and me, I, I lean towards more of an extroverted uh, personality, I, I think. Um, and so I would want to find people to, to know and have friendship with and to leave all that. As a lost person, would be very difficult. But as a Christian, I moved here, and immediately I found uh, a common bond with believers in Christ. I came to this church, and... Uh, I believe it is true that uh, Pastor says this is Edmonton's friendliest church. Uh, I came here, I found 
friendship, I found uh, a common bond with believers because I am in the family of God. And so I'm very thankful for the family of God because you can go anywhere in this world, and if you find believers there, you'll have family. You'll have uh, people to support you and help you. And then third tonight, we see selfless love. Uh, Selfless love. We look at uh, verse number 10 of Romans chapter 12. And after after we read, uh, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, it says, in honor, preferring one another. And I don't want to scare you tonight. Uh, I have 11 points. And uh, I know you guys uh, like that I preach short. I'm going to try to get through these 11 pretty quick. Uh, But this is number three. Uh, So selfless love. It says, in honor, preferring one another. Uh, Do you let others have the bigger piece of the cake? Do you let others uh, go first? Is, Is that the attitude that you have in your life? Is it... I am second in life, that everyone else, they're, they're more important than I am. Do you let others take that place, the place of higher, of higher honor, in honor preferring one another? Our love should be marked by a selflessness that says, you can go first. I'm not better than you. We are equals in Christ. We are equals in the family of God. And in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Our love uh, for each other should be marked uh, by a selflessness. And so forth tonight, we see a serving love. A serving love in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We should get busy for serving God. We should get busy doing something for God. Uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are trying to serve the Lord, they need help. As Pastor uh, Harness said this morning, uh, the, the porters uh, were helping uh, to serve in the small areas of the temple, of the, of the service uh, of the temple in, in Israel. And these men... Uh, we're doing the jobs uh, that enabled those who were serving in other positions in music and in sacrifice. It enabled them to give their whole heart and their whole mind to the work, the, the most uh, highest priority work that they had to do. And so if we uh, are to show our love to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we look and we say, there's someone who's trying to do something great for God. I need to get busy alongside them and help them and and help do something to enable them to put their whole heart into what what God wants them to do. Our our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ should be uh, characterized by a work ethic that is exemplary. And so how is your work work ethic uh, when you serve the Lord? Do Do you put your heart into it? Do you, do you wholeheartedly commit uh, when you have work to do for the Lord? Do you wholeheartedly commit? Or while you're doing it, you're dragging your feet and you're, man, this is, this is a tough thing to do. We see it in Colossians, and, and chapter 3, verse 23, Colossians 3, 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as 
to the Lord and not to men. You see, when we're serving the Lord together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not serving the pastor, we're not serving the church, we're not serving each other. In reality, we are serving the Lord. And so everything that we do in the church, everything that we do for the Lord is for the Lord. We ought to do it with the highest excellence. We, have, we ought to do it uh, with our whole heart. And then we see, number five, we see a prospecting love. And you say, what do you, what do you mean by that? A prospecting love. In verse 12, we read, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. A prospecting love, what I mean by that is, you're prospecting, you're, you're, you're looking into the future, you're saying, well, I know that's going to happen, and so during this time, I can, I can do this or that. Rejoicing in hope, we see that we can be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters in Christ in remembering that we have a hope that is steadfast and sure. We have a hope uh, and confidence that, in fact, uh, Jesus Christ is coming again. And so we go through this life and the difficulties of this, this life, and though we might not always have a reason then and now to rejoice and to be joyful, we can always look forward and say, I can rejoice because I know that Christ, God's going to win. I know that God's going to win. And so we can rejoice in that hope. And then also patient in tribulation, as we can be an encouragement to our uh, brethren by uh, trusting that God is sovereign, saying, God is in control, and patient in tribulation. I can be patient in difficulties in life because I know that God is in control, that whatever would happen in my life, God, has, God was already there. He, was, he already knows what's, what will happen and what has happened. God is already uh, in our future. He knows exactly what's going to happen, and so I can rest in the fact that God is sovereign. God's in control. He's not only able to see the future, he, he knows how to help us through it, and he can give us his grace to help us through it. Uh, this gives me the ability to be patient in tribulation because we know that God is in control in the difficulties that we're going through. And then last, we see uh, in this, this part of prospecting love, we see continuing instant in prayer. So how else can we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? By being in prayer for them. Uh, our, so often our prayer time is consumed by our wants, by our needs, uh, by the things that we care about. And we often forget we have brothers and sisters in Christ who need to be prayed for. They have needs uh, of their own that they want people to pray for. There's people who are sick. There are people who have this great need for work or whatever it might be in their life. And if we get outside of our own self and say, what do my brothers and sisters in Christ need? You see, the, the most we can do is pray. Many people say, well, it's the least I can do. The least I can do is pray. But the most you can do is pray. And so we ought to take our brothers and sisters in Christ's prayer uh, request to the Lord. We see uh, God would use this in our lives to build compassion and empathy in us. When we start looking at the needs of others, we start looking at the wants of others, and we say, I, my needs aren't important. I'm number two. I'm second in this life. 
They, they have needs, they have wants, and I can have compassion, I can build empathy for them uh, if I'm thinking about others. And we see uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, pray without ceasing. This, this is a, something I've wondered, what does this mean? How, I can't always be praying, my eyes closed, always constantly in prayer like that. How, how is this accomplished? And it's just being in a spirit of whenever there's a need, Instead of thinking, well, how am I going to solve this problem? It's taking those needs, those wants to God immediately. It's saying, every need that I have, I know that God can, go, God can take care of it. And then you take, take it to God. Being uh, in prayer uh, unceasingly. Number six, we see generous love. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of, this, of saints given to hospitality. Our love for the brethren can be demonstrated through giving. Uh, we see in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother hath, have need, and shut up, uh, shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If God has blessed us with abundance in our life, and we look around and we say, there's a need here, there's a need there, there's a need my brother has, and we say, oh, I'm not going to do anything, I'm going to keep it for myself. The Bible says, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If God has given us and prospered us, uh, we can do something. Even if God has given us just a little bit, we can do something to help. I think of the Troll family. I think of uh, this family going through this tragedy, uh, losing their father, uh, losing a husband. But we can give something to help. We can, we can give of just what we, little we have. We can give something to help. And so we see a generous love, but then we see a long-suffering love. Verse 14, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. You see, when someone treats you poorly, as a, it's your own brother and sister in Christ, they might be treating you poorly. God wants us to pray for them. God wants us to bless them. God wants us uh, to not try to fight and argue with them. But when they persecute us for what we're trying to do for God, uh, we should pray for them. We should bless them, try to uh, help them Go back to the path God has for them. It's a shame that there are Christians who persecute other Christians. And I know of a pastor in North America, I won't say him by name, but all it seems that he tries to do is to tear down other pastors who are doing a work for God. It seems like in every sermon that he shares, he's trying to tear down uh, those uh, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who are trying to do a great work for God. Uh, they're trying to defame them. And I, I, I was able to talk to a pastor uh, and hear his response. Someone asked him uh, about, about this man, this pastor, who was tearing down other pastors for the work that they were doing. And then he, he, his answer when he was asked, uh, what, what do you do about this? How, how do you respond to this? And he says, well, I pray for him. And I hope that he, the Lord can bless his ministry. He's praying that this man would would get right with God, that he would focus on what God really wants for him to do. And he's praying that God would be able to bless his ministry, that he would get to a point where God would be able to bless his ministry. 
And so unfortunately, there might be Christians that you encounter uh, that are jealous. They may be jealous of how God is using you. Pray for them rather than trying to argue with them and trying to fight with them about this issue. Just pray for them. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, it says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. To demonstrate our love to our brothers and sisters in Christ is to endure persecution that comes from within and to pray for them. And number eight, we see compassionate love. Compassionate love. In verse 15, we read, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ ought to be characterized by compassion and vicarious joy, sharing. There's not really a good word for that in English. There's a, there's a word in German that means the opposite of what I'm trying to convey. There's a word in, in German, schadenfreude. I think it's, it's joy over someone's misfortune, but the opposite of that, joy over someone's fortune, sharing in that joy, being happy for someone uh, who God has blessed. Our love for our brethren ought to be characterized by that compassion and that vicarious joy. And when your brother and sister in Christ is happy uh, about something that God has done in their life, uh, sometimes people, they get jealous about that. They say, oh, God's blessing them. When someone says, oh man, my wife made me an excellent br- breakfast this morning. And uh, someone comes along and says, oh, my wife never makes me any breakfast. And they come and they just try to be a joy kill. They, they come along and they, they're hearing all this good news about stuff and they just try to cut people down and say, well, God's, God's not doing that for me. And I wonder why. When your brother in Christ is happy about something that happened, come alongside them, encourage them. Uh, rejoice with them that do rejoice. Don't let your bitterness and your jealousness uh, allow you uh, to be bitter, uh, to, to be upset about those who God is blessing. If they're succeeding in some area of their life, rejoice with them. And then we saw weep with them that weep. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we see our brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through difficulty, they're going through tragedy, we ought to bear their burdens. Like I said earlier about with the troll family, we ought to bear one another's burdens, our brothers and sisters in Christ need help. We are not an island. We need uh, to help each other. And then number nine, uh, we see a unified love. In verse 16, we read, be of the same mind one toward another. Be of the same mind one toward another. God desires unity in the church. God desires that we together work as one body. We work together uh, accomplishing the same goal. And it says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 15, let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. 
And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye perfectly, be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. How is that possible? How can we dwell together in unity? How can we... Uh, share the same mind and have the same judgment. I believe it's only possible by being a Christian who is in God's word, who is seeking God's word, uh, is trying to understand God's word. If, if we all uh, come together and try to, to understand God's word and devote ourselves to the study of it, that would produce a unity. That would produce a, uh, a common uh, mind and common judgment, understanding uh, how to judge things. And then number 10, uh, we see lowly love. Uh, we saw in verse 16, uh, right after it says, be of the same mind one toward another, it says, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Uh, we have to remember that we are equals. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are equals. We are all of the same value, God has not made some sort of hierarchy in the church where a pastor is above the, the layman. God has said we are all equal in Christ. No man, unlike the, the, the Catholic church where it says we have the priests and we have the bishops and we have the pope, and they have this hierarchy and that they are of higher value and higher quality uh, Christians that say uh, to each other, we are all equal. If you look at the Bible, there is no hierarchy we are all equal in Christ. It doesn't matter if I'm serving full-time in ministry. It doesn't matter if all I'm able to do is attend one service a week. We are all equal in Christ. God has saved us all from the same hell. God has saved us all from the same sin. Uh, we are all equal in Christ. It says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. We ought not to uh, lift each other, uh, lift ourselves up, and say that we're better than others. We are no better than our brother or sister in Christ, and so we ought to esteem each other better. In that, I'm not more important than you. And then in James chapter two, in verse one. It says, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring, in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and saith unto him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? We see that God doesn't want us to be respecters of persons and say, well, that person must be rich. We'll give them the nicest seat. We'll hope that they give the biggest offering. And then we see the, the person, the poor man who comes in, someone coming off the street, they come into our service and we say, all right, you can sit in the back there. Uh, don't bother anyone. And they come in. I, I'm reminded of uh, the widow uh, who gave her last mite, and, and how this religious man gave a great sum of money before her, and then she comes along and gives all that she had. 
And this, this woman who uh, she had very little, very just that was all she had that she could give. Jesus says that what she gave was worth more to God than the riches that the man had given before her. We are equals in Christ, and we ought to uh, treat each other as such. And then last, we see humble love. Number 11, humble love. It says in uh, verse 16 at the end there, it says, Be not wise in your own conceits. The, the word conceit has the idea of, of uh, being proud, being narcissistic. Uh, be not wise in your own pride. Be not wise in your own conceits. And the Bible says, uh, it gives us a very clear warning about this in Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 12. It says, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. A man who is living his life, he's so consumed with self, he's so consumed with, I am the best person in the room, I'm the smartest person in the room. If they, they live their life thinking that they are number one, they are better than everyone else. The Bible says there's more hope of a fool. Someone who doesn't even believe in God, there's more hope for them than that man who is consumed in his pride. We must be careful to avoid admiring ourselves and lifting ourselves up. If we are to love each other as Christ loved us, uh, we ought to uh, look at ourselves with a proper perspective. We ought to look at ourselves and understand that we are no better than brother, our brothers or sisters. We are, we are uh, not the best person in the room. And if we go through life with that attitude that I'm not the smartest person in the room, there's someone smarter than me, then that's the kind of person that can, that's able to learn the most. They say, there's someone in this room who knows more than me. There's someone that I can learn from today. If we live our life living in the opposite of this uh, kind of man who lives uh, wise in his own conceit, if we live our lives like that, uh, I believe God blesses that. God blesses a humble uh, person who loves each other, loves our brothers and sisters in Christ humbly. And so tonight, uh, I'll ask you to stand. We'll, we'll have our time of invitation. Uh, let's stand and I'll have the instrumentalists come. Let's pray and let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I thank you, Lord, for uh, tonight. And I thank you that you've given us direction on how to uh, love each other, how to uh, be... Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and demonstrate our discipleship to you uh, through our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help, help us tonight, Lord, as we have examined these things in your word. I pray that you would uh, help us to have that genuine love, that true love that you have demonstrated on the cross of Calvary, Lord. And we thank you for, for that. We thank you for uh, the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for our sins. Uh, and you gave your son sacrificially. You loved us so much that you gave uh, your son sacrificially that we could uh, have eternal life if we just believe uh, on the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you for that. And help us, Lord, I pray, uh, to have that sacrificial love. And uh, Lord, I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the, as the piano plays, uh, if, you, if God has spoken to your heart tonight, 
uh, would you come and pray or pray in your seat? Uh, if there's something you know that God uh, wants you to demonstrate your love uh, in a better way. Let's take our hymn books and sing number 481. Number 481, Living for Jesus. Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please Him in all that I do, stealing allegiance, glad-hearted and free, this is the pathway of blessing for me. Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee, for Thou in Thy atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live. O Christ, for thee alone. Wonderful singing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for all those teens who were involved. And Lord, I pray you would help us uh, this week and on. Lord, to demonstrate our love for one another, uh, that the world might see and know that we are your disciples. I pray that others would see uh, that we love each other so much that that would interest them in, in knowing the God that we know and knowing the love that you have shown to us. And Lord, I pray you would help us this week. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.